Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron Sports Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Welcome, sports fans. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here tonight, Friday night, now 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. So glad to have you with us tonight. Hope everybody's having a blessed week, and you're going to have definitely a great Friday evening. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight and listening to our show. Really appreciate it tremendously. I'm Alan from the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. It is May 21st, 2021. Tonight, you are more than welcome, very welcome to call us in at 516-418-5572. I'll repeat that number, 516-418-5572. You can be a guest on our show. Hey, you can go ahead and debate with us. It's all good. We really appreciate your input. Feel free to go ahead and join the discussion. Tonight, unfortunately, Aaron will not be able to attend tonight. And unfortunately, we wish him all our prayers and definitely support to shed some light on this. Uh, Aaron is not feeling well. He's been not feeling well for the last three days now. It's actually not because of COVID. Thank God for that. You know, thank goodness that he it's not because of COVID. So let me let you know that. Yes, that's a round of applause for that. That's the good news. It's not because of COVID, but the bad news is the reason why he's been sick for the last three days is because he's taken his second COVID shot and it's really kicking him really hard. Uh, he's actually been the worst case that I've seen on the COVID shot as far as, you know, after effect. I've had people have been, you know, not too great after day and a half. For him, it's double that three days now in county, and he hasn't had an appetite. So that's the update on Aaron. Our prayers are with him, that he feels better and can join us hopefully next week. So that's uh, my partner, Aaron, who won't be able to join us here tonight. But, hey, we're going to have a great show for you tonight. We have a lot of great things to discuss, and we're going to go ahead and start the show off, you know, with Aaron in mind. Aaron's a, a Braves fan. Big time Braves fan, and he brought this to my attention. He wanted to make sure I did this on the air. So we want to wish Bobby Cox a happy 80th birthday. Definitely happy 80th birthday to Bobby Cox. Yes, indeed. That's awesome. Hey, big eight zero to Bobby Cox. Happy birthday. Many more blessed birthdays to you. And uh, we also have another great thing, Dick Vitale, who, uh, man, he just had his gala this month, and boy, he set some records with the amount of money that he went ahead and generated. But Dick Vitale, congratulations on that, that fundraiser. I'll get to you the approximate number that they generated for the night and a little bit later. But he is celebrating his 50th wedding anniversary 
So big props to Dick Vitale for having that great gala and also for his 50th wedding anniversary. That's big time. That's big time. Hey, <laughs> I've been married now for 18 years, and I tell you, to make it a 50, hey, my man deserves more than a round of applause. That's for sure. But uh, there's also some great news that I wanted to go ahead and celebrate as well in the sports world. You know, since 1999, 1999, year 1999 was the last year that the Yankees have actually thrown a no-hitter that was the great David Cohn who did, who did the no-hitter prior to that. It was uh, prior to that, we had David Cohn, and then um, his name slipped my mind, but we're, we had uh, David also. I forgot David's last name, not David Cohn. Let me just go ahead and get that for you right now. It's bugging my mind. David Wells. There we go. David Wells. Slipped my mind. Sorry about that. <laughs> We had David Wells, who threw the no-hitter in 1998. David Cohn was the last Yankee to throw it in 1999. And now we have a Yankee who just threw a no-hitter. Kyle Kluber for the New York Yankees threw a no-hitter this week. Congratulations. I am a Yankees fan, so congratulations, Kyle. So big things happening there in the baseball world, and that's awesome to throw a no-hitter since 1999 against the Rangers. So big things there. I also wanted to go ahead and continue to talk a little bit about baseball. Another great thing that happened is that Ivor Pujols got himself a deal with the L.A. Dodgers, and definitely congratulations for him getting a deal, and he got his first home run as a L.A. Dodger. Yeah, see, that's, that's the great thing about Albert is that just like we predicted here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk radio show when it was going to be announced that he uh, was going to get released from the from the Angels, that we felt as if a team was going to pick him up. Congratulations to Albert getting another team, and that would be the Dodgers. And the great thing about this signing is it's it really does Albert justice because he'll get a chance to get a send-off from the fans the Dodger fans and a Dodger faithful, I know, will show him a lot of love. They'll be very appreciative of the fact that he's actually on the field for his last year for, for what could potentially be his last year. It's not official it's going to be his last year, but all the indication is that it will be his last year. And the great thing with that is that Albert Pujols, he hit his first home run, as I mentioned. He's very humble in, in, in that regard of him hitting home run. But he plays for a contender, you know, so it would be something for him to end his year with the ring. And in playing for the Dodgers, he has a very good opportunity with him to add it to that piece of the puzzle for him to actually get a World Series ring on the last year. What a great setup that would be. You know, whether he gets it or not, it's it's out of control. But you know what? For him to be in a team that's in contention for it, instead of being in a place where you're playing and you have no shot of making a playoffs, whereas probably his, he was going to be in the outskirts of making a playoffs, playing for the Angels. It's good that he's now playing for a winner. 
it worked out well for Albert. So congratulations to Albert Pools getting that deal and getting his first home run. Definitely props for that. So I wanted to go ahead now and then talk a little bit about the NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs are full in effect here. And I wanted to kind of talk a little bit before I get into the playoffs about LeBron James. LeBron James went ahead and now he has the most points of any player in the postseason. That's amazing. You know, that's a great accomplishment for him to achieve that, considering he's, you know, he's competing with the likes of Michael Jordan in that category. For him to have the most points, it shows you that he's always in the playoffs. He's he definitely, even when he's a pass-first guy, he still gets his shots. He's still an offensive weapon. And one of the things that was talked about this week with LeBron James in the playoffs was a couple things. First, he got he went and was going to do a dunk, parent dunk, and when he went up to do the dunk, Draymond Green gave him a hard foul, and that wouldn't be news normally, but this foul was pretty much his hands and his eye got caught by Draymond Green in his eye, and then uh, LeBron, you know, basically was floating around the floor, holding his eye, said he got poked in the eye, couldn't see. And then he said he seen three rigs, three uh, hoops, and he shot <laughs> pretty much the, the game where he just shot, and he said just aim for the one in the middle, and he made it. And the talk about that was LeBron James was acting because of the injury. He was playing it up. It really wasn't that bad. And LeBron James was doing his uh, – <laughs> his trying to get an Oscar – kind of releasing his movie early, <laughs> Space Jam 2. He released it early, meaning just the other day. Well, this is my take on this. Does LeBron flop, and does he over-embellish when there's contact? Yes, he does. He does that quite often. And because he does take – he does have the ball quite often, it comes across a lot more that he's doing it more than anybody in the league. He does his fair share, but the fact that the ball goes through him a lot, he plays it up. So because of that, he has that bad rap. I mean, I, you know, unfortunately, I don't. I thought the injury was legit. And what I mean by that is anytime somebody pokes you in the eye, you get punctured in the eye, that is not an injury that you can really fake. And it's, it's not an injury that you get that won't affect your play. It's not like somebody giving you an elbow to your back by accident or somebody bumping you real hard. This is an injury that affects your eyesight. And I don't care who you are, once your eyesight is compromised, you have two eyes for a reason, it, it gets very uncomfortable. So I don't think he was particularly active in this case. I do think he does overact in a lot of cases. I do have to agree with the criticism on that. And not only do I have to agree with the criticism of LeBron getting it, I also feel as if basketball is the sport where you get more often than not rewarded for acting. Because if you over-embellish someone following you, you get the foul call. If you don't do that, you play through the play, 
more than likely they're not going to give you that foul call. You watch tape and video, they're re, they're, a lot of the referees are re- reacting to the player's reaction rather than the actual play itself. They're watching the eye candy of somebody flopping over and acting like he really got hurt with the over-embellishing rather than the actual contact. And they're taking the bait. So in NBA, unfortunately, that does happen quite often. I don't like it. I think there should be some uh, more of a penalty if you fake you know, foul or you kind of over-embellish. The worst is when somebody's trying to do a jump shot Guy taps him on the elbow and he's flopping over and like you know, like a damn, like a tidal wave hits you. I kind of don't like that. It's overacting, and so that's one of the things that the NBA needs to clean up. And LeBron is guilty of it too. So I would have to agree with the criticism on that. I do think he was truly injured with the eye, so I'll give him credit for making that gateway to shot. Also, the NBA, I wanted to make sure I give props to Steph Curry. Really big-time props to Steph Curry. You know, for a guy to come off an injury and to be shooting the way he is, playing the way he is, hitting shots, dominating, major props to Steph Curry. That guy is a is a highlight reel. He's a basketball highlight reel. And I don't care what Michael Jordan said, that this guy is not a Hall of Famer. He may have not have been a Hall of Famer. I, I don't. Even, I, I disagree with an answer to that comment. When he made that comment back then, I believe Curry was a Hall of Famer. It was just he just needed to get a little bit more time in the game, but he already had a Hall of Fame resume. It was basically, if, if someone asked me, even when Michael Jordan had mentioned that, his answer, I would have said yes. Steph Curry is a Hall of Famer. He just needs to continue doing what he's doing. That's how I would answer it. Not to be like, oh, he's not a Hall of Famer yet. It's like you're being petty. The guy is a Hall of Famer, and he was a Hall of Famer back then. He's proving even more so. Not only is he a Hall of Famer, but he's proven that he is right now offensively the most potent weapon in the NBA next to a guy like Kevin Durant. And I would even have to say that Steph Curry is the best shooter we have probably seen in our lifetime. That guy lives past the three-point line and makes his shot. I mean, it's unbelievable. He can make a three-point shot from anywhere. He makes all defenders look bad. You have to be right up on him. And even then, he creates a little bit of space, and he nails that three. He's the pro. I mean, he's going to go down as one of the greatest shooters ever to play this game. Unbelievable how often he can make those shots. And that's a talent that you probably won't see again. And I'm glad we're bringing up Steph Curry because I wanted to get into the NBA playoffs a bit more with you. The thing about the NBA playoffs and uh, Steph Curry and LeBron James, there is a lot of pressure on LeBron James to win this year, actually a lot more than last year. You know, last year, they were pretty much the going favorite. He had some pressure because he had to kind of like seal the deal type of thing. But this time, he has pressure on him to actually truly win this this ring because 
you got to look at it. His his nemesis has been Steph Curry and the Warriors, and now Steph Curry red hot. LeBron knows that if he gets to play the the Warriors and they beat him, it's going to look bad on LeBron James and his legacy. It's going to look really bad because it's going to be more like the Steph Curry show. The Steph Curry, anytime he's in the playoffs, his team is knocking you out all the time, pretty much, except the one year where Draymond Green got suspended. But still, that's one time, you know, this the Warriors got you beat by three or four times now, and this might be five. So even if you got him that one time, and it's, it could be because of Draymond Green or not, you got to say that, hey, he's got your number. So there's a tremendous amount of pressure on the Lakers to win this time around and LeBron James. Plus, the, you know, with that win, that game winner that LeBron hit, they're coming in as a seventh seed. So it's a much tougher road when you're a seventh seed to make it to to get your ring. Not that it can't be done, but it is a tougher road. We talked about this on a show last week about how we felt and even – Lou, who called in, when we discussed this, we both agreed after thinking about it hard, the debate was which one is more difficult, winning an NBA title or a Super Bowl, and we actually both agreed that winning an NBA title is tougher. Well, now you've added it where it's even tougher coming in at seventh seed. It's just hard to do. So definitely there's a lot of pressure on LeBron James to win this because, again, Steph was out last year. He had kind of like an open opportunity, and he took advantage of it, which he should have. But this year is going to be different that that, uh, Steph is playing hot. And Steph right now is the the front winner, in my opinion, to get the the MVP too. So he's got a lot of great things going his way. Keep up the great work there. And definitely we wish the NBA, all NBA players, a lot of success in the playoffs. Now I wanted to kind of shift a little bit to the NFL. A lot of great things happening in the NFL. (laughs) One guy that was talked about this week that I really want to give props to, who I don't believe gets enough props, and that is the all-time beast, a.k.a. named Derek Henry. This guy's a flat-out beast. And I even said that's on the air months ago when the season was winding down that I felt Derrick Henry, in my opinion, was the NFL MVP. And I, yes, I did say I would have voted for him over Aaron Rodgers. And the reason why I would have done that, not that Aaron did have a stellar season, is the fact that I felt like the the Packers had more to, to work with. They had a very good team. And yes, Aaron was lights out for his team, but the Packers had weapons around him. Devontae Adams, I mean, you had people, Aaron Jones. Derrick Henry, to me, was 75, 80% of the Titans' offense. I mean, this guy was just, if he didn't have a good game, they just didn't have even come close to winning the game. So they have a couple other players, but nothing really is like a guy like Derrick Henry. And the debate that happened this week is what can we expect from Derrick Henry having a 2,000-yard season coming into this year, 2021, 
that at last year he had such a breakout year. Derrick Henry works really hard. I follow him, and he definitely puts in the work to be successful as a running back in the NFL. So I still expect him to have a stellar season. However, to to put the kind of expectation on a Derrick Henry that he's going to follow up the year with another 2,000-yard rushing attack, that is unfair. That is a tall task. You've got to remember – as many great runs as Derrick Henry had during the season, in order for him to have got to 2,000 yards, he had to do over 200 yards in the last game to get to 2,000. And yet he had such great games throughout the season, but he still needed to have that big last game. This is the reason why I thought he was the MVP. He had like 251 yards in the last game, knowing that he had needed about 200 and change 218, I believe 201. I'll get you the, the exact number in a little bit in order for him to get to 2,000 yards. So having said that, it is the NFL. You you are the running back. I still think he's going to do his thing, but he did have quite a few big, big runs throughout the year. And those things are just hard for you to get expected all the time. So I, I think he has a stellar year. I believe he he does at least 1,500 yards, but to get to 2,000, that's yet to be seen. I just think that, you know, I'm glad that he did get the offensive play of the year. Mind you, he didn't get the NFL MVP, but the fact that he got acknowledged as the offensive player of the year for the NFL, kudos to Derrick Henry because he definitely was deserving of it. Another great NFL news is uh, this might come to a shock to some people, but this actually did happen. Joe Montana. Joe Montana basically conceded and said throughout the week that he felt as if Tom Brady was the GOAT and is the GOAT of NFL quarterbacks. You know, and it takes a big man to admit something like that. So I give credit for that. Joe Montana conceding that Tom Brady is the GOAT of the NFL quarterbacks. It's, it's well, you know what? It, it's, it's, he's basically stating the obvious. You know, I've had my share of Tom Brady haters throughout Tom Brady's career even before he won with the with the Bucks, when he was just with the Packers, winning all those rings, even when he was up to to five, I've had my share of run-ins with big time Brady haters. And it's great that a great quarterback, Hall of Famer like Montana admits when you have somebody who's your successor as the GOAT. You know, prior to Brady getting to five, six, and seven, you know, it was it was really debatable. I would say up until I would even say just about when Brady got his fifth one, the conversation stopped at that point. When he had four and he got tied with Montana, it still was like, okay, it could be Brady, 
He's part of the system. You know, they put that line. He's part of the Patriot way. Yeah, that's the reason why he got four. And he's got the same amount as Montana at four. At that point, I thought the discussion and the question was still something that was debatable. But when Brady got five, the conversation really started to run dry. Because at that point, he has more rings than you. And he's always in the postseason, pretty much. If he doesn't make it win a Super Bowl, he's right there in the mix in his team. So at that point, and then when Brady got number six, if you didn't think he was number one after five, you definitely thought he was number one after six. Then with him going to the Bucks, it's just now Brady just adding to the resume and making the conversation and distance between him and number two even way wider apart. So, you know, sometimes sports, you hate for your record to be beaten and you want to be known as a man, but when somebody goes ahead and just puts it down, you got to tip your hat and give credit. Props to Joe Montana, giving credit that Brady's the GOAT. You know, having said that, <laughs> I got a I got a nice little figurine that I would love for Joe Montana to sign. And I also have one for Tom Brady, great great item for Tom Brady signs. So I'm just waiting for my opportunity to get them both signed. They're both of my opinion goats. I know you can only have one goat. It's got to be Brady, but Joe Montana is the goat of the 90s. So <laughs> we'll put it like that. So great props to Joe Montana. A lot of great things happen in sports world. And I'll get you up to date on everything. Feel free to join in at 516. 516- 418-5572. Again, that's the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio show you're going to be on. 516-418-5572. We always welcome your thoughts here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio show. A lot of great things that we're going to discuss this show. So we got, you know, now we want to talk about a little bit Guess what, folks? We're going to talk a little bit about golf now. And there's a lot that actually happened this week in golf. You know, they had the PGA tournament that just got started off. I'll give you the updates on that. But uh, the thing I wanted to talk about about golf is a few things. But I did want to talk about Bryson DeChambeau. And he did get a lot of kind of like negative feedback on social media this week because he was really, he didn't have a great first day and he was way down the list. And prior to that, he didn't do too great towards the end of his last tournament. But their criticism was they kept putting up on Instagram, Bryson and his drives. You know, if you don't know already, let me educate you on it. Bryson DeChambeau, and this guy can drive a ball on average about 325, which is, and he hits him even further than that. You know, they, they, the carry is about 350. He's got ones that are 375, even more than that. So let's just say his average is around 335. Guy can actually smash a drive. And what the criticism was is that fact that they kept showing highlights of almost all of his drives at the tee box, but they yet they were not talking about the guys that were actually leading 
the PGA tournament that day or who did better, had better scores, they neglected them and were just showing Bryson and his <laughs> ginormous drives, which, hey, you're not going to meet somebody who can hit the ball on average around 325. And not only that, he's hitting them accurately. Believe it or not, his, his drives, I've been watching, I didn't just look at the fact that it went 300 plus yards. I looked at the fact that he's hitting over 300 yards and he's hitting it dead center or right where he needs to hit it. He's hitting it right on the fairway. And if he's you know, close to the green, he's hitting it in good, very good playable spots. Now, having said that, he is hitting some monster drive. You might say, okay, why is he so low then? Well, let me explain this to a lot of people about golf. And this is the misconception that people have about golf. You see it all the time. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on golf today. But the thing about golf that you, if you want to be successful at golf and be an excellent golfer, for one, you have to work on your short game. You know, you have to work on your short game. Your short games can't be like decent. Your short game got to be on point. If you can hit a 325-yard drive, you need to be able to hit chips, putts, little shots, little lob 50-yard shots. Because the disadvantage I say Bryson has when he does hit such a far drive is someone did bring up a great point, and I agreed with them. He leaves himself some weird distances, meaning he's so close to the flag, to the greed. What happens a lot with him, he's between 50 to 60 yards, sometimes even 48 yards and 50 yards, let's say, let's say 55 yards away from the greed. Even like, okay, well, he's real close. Yes, he's real close, but have you tried to hit a 50 or 55-yard shot or 60-yard shot on the green? That is a very difficult shot to hit because you're so close. You have to throw – you have to hit the ball at the right height, have it land on the green, and pretty much stop right away. And you you might say, okay, that's not that hard. Well, it is hard because – when you're at 50 yards, you're kind of too far to be hitting a lot of clubs. Like, you really shouldn't hit your 60. You could hit it 50 yards, but you really should not hit your 60 at that distance because of the fact that you're gonna, you might blade it. You might bounce it off the green. It's really not ideal for you to, at that range, for you to be hitting a 60. I would say a 54 would be better, but you've got to hit it. You have to you have to hit the ball and have it bounce precisely on the green. Because if you don't, if you underhit it, you're going to land on the outskirts of the green, which is going to burn up a shot for you. If you overhit it, you're going to be at the back end of the green. You might be like, okay, well, it's still 50 yards. It's actually easier for you to hit a ball at 85, 90, 100 yards back because that's a distance that you're most golfers are more familiar with. They're more used to and accustomed in practice hitting a ball 80, 90, 100 yards away from the flag than they are hitting one at 50 because think about it. When you're hitting a ball at 50 yards, 
let's say you're playing and practicing at a golf course, you're going to be scuffing up their greens pretty much or their fairway, which is going to be not a good lie for somebody else. We're at a, at a you know, 90 or 80 yards back. It's a divot where it's really not going to mess anybody's play up in most cases, that is. You know, of course, anytime you make a divot or pivot, let me just say you should clean up and level it off because someone could hit a ball right in that spot. Having said that, when you're 80, 90 yards back, you fix up the divot, you usually, you might mess up somebody's lie, but you're not going to mess up someone's shot. If you're hitting it at 56 yards, let's say somebody rolls a ball up to the green, that divot that you put in at 50 yards not only looks bad, it be, being in the middle of a possibly a green, you can mess up someone's shot. Because, hey, you look at a guy like Victor Hovland, he rolls a lot of his long putts, you know, with his three wood. So, and he could be, he could, if you have a nice, you know, a nice golf course that's level and looks good for 50 yards, you can it from there instead of hitting it from there, a, a lob shot. And that's what Victor does because there's more that can go wrong when you hit a ball that's 50, 55 yards. You, you, ha- you have to be precise. You know, when you're hitting a ball 100 yards back or 90, it, it naturally, when you hit it at that distance, it gives you the height and the distance to boot, land on the green, and stop. 50 yards, you hit a line drive, it can bounce and go off the green. So your short game has to be on point. Not to say that Bryson's game isn't on point. He works very hard. I think it's one of the, the things that is very underappreciated about Bryson is that he makes those tough putts. But keep in mind, those distances do put him in an awkward position sometimes when you hit such a far drive and you get too close to the flag. So keep that in mind. And a couple other things I wanted to talk about with golf. I really wanted to talk about this to the golf community, and I wanted to express this. I kind of held my tongue back for mentioning this in quite a few golf groups, and I, I tell my head tongue back to talk to you guys about this because it is really, really a pet peeve that I have. <laughs> and that's it's such a pet peeve that I'm going to tell you what it is. That pet peeve that I'm talking about is, with all due respect, they call golf, and it's supposed to be a gentleman's game. I would have to say, more often than not, I hate to say it, that to me is, is kind of like one of the running jokes of golf. A lot of people who play golf, I feel there's a big pocket of people who quote, quote, say it's supposed to be a gentleman's game, but don't actually act like a gentleman in golf. There's been a lot of times where a few incidents happened on the golf course that I didn't agree with. You know, guys get a little too testy, a little too agitated. People uh, giving you unwanted advice to the point where they're being overbearing. You know, you have to bite your tongue guys who are using rangefinders to look at girl skirts, guys being overly aggressive with the with the cart girl, you know, hitting on them too much. 
So all of these things, these behaviors to me, you know, not clean up your divots as I was talking about and your pivots. Hey, you, this, golf is supposed to be a gentleman's game. If golf is a gentleman's game, if you leave a divot, you put sand in that divot and you try to level it off. Because someone, again, can hit a ball right in that spot and you're giving them an uneven line. The reason why you want to clean up a divot, for those who don't know, is that if you have a big divot, some, some people are bigger divot hitters than others. I, I, I prefer, and I don't feel as if I'm a big divot guy, Do have I do hit divots from time to time? Yes, I do. But I feel as if they're smaller divots. They're not big. I don't like to put divots in the ground. I actually like to leave the grass the way it is. So much so on an opportunity to hit a, a short, you know, 80, 90, 100-yard shot, I will usually use the tee where I would do that over hitting a ball and making another divot, especially when I see that the, there's, a, you know, a bunch of divot spots. I, I just like to have a clean line. That's why I use the tee, do my thing. You allow me to use the tee, I'm going to take advantage of it to my advantage. So I'm not a big divot player, but if you do make a divot, Put the sand in, fellas and females. Females, I know that you play golf too. I see you at the golf course. It's not just the fellas. Golf, I mean, I know they say golf is a gentleman's game. That's that's the way it's supposed to be. Also, ladies, fix your divot. You don't have to do much. Just grab the sand, put it in there. It's in your cart. Fix your divots. And that's number one. Fix your pivots too. You know, get yourself a little divot tool. I, I fixed mine. Doesn't take long. Usually, uh, today I even fixed a couple. So, that weren't mine. I fixed mine and one other, plus one. But, fix it. Golf is supposed to be a gentleman's game. Always remember that. So, for the fellas that are out there, when they say golf is a gentleman's game, live by that. Be cognizant of you taking care of the course the way you got it. That's part of being a gentleman. Also, be respectful to people in your foursome. It's, it's all good to be joking around and all that, but be respectful to other people and watch your own, manage your own behavior. You know, those are things that you have to be cognizant of. You know, to give you a, a you know a quick little story I had, <laughs> I played with a buddy and we played quite a few times some golf always was laid back and cool and he might have taken a long time to take a shot but you know still i would it, it, it didn't bother me but one thing did he did do that did bother me was we played quite a few times then it came to the point where we had a tournament i was entered in a tournament he was too he requested me to be part of his foursome which i was flattered because at the time i wasn't you know a bad player, but I wasn't the greatest player. I, there was more experience and better players there. And he requested me to be in this foursome. So I thought that was really cool. I won't mention his name. Long story short, when we played in this tournament, it was like Mr. Competitive. Hey, we're playing for a $10 million person. We got to win showed up. And I'm like, first of all, it just, they're not giving away any money. It's just, if you did win a tournament, then you would have got mentioned on the microphone. They'd have gave you a round of applause, but they weren't going to really give you a prize or anything. You just had bragging rights. 
Now, keep in mind, let me give you an idea. That all sounds good for you to be competitive, what have you. But realistically, there was 140 golfers at this event, broken up into teams of four. So there's, what, 20, 25 other, you know, foursomes. We, uh, as I mentioned, we weren't the best players. Wasn't, wasn't, you know, we were middle of the road. We weren't, at that time, we were middle of the road. Maybe even slightly below middle of the road, but we wasn't at the top. So for you to have the expectation that you're going to actually win this tournament, that's a bit much. And for you to be acting as if you're trying to get something that's $10 million purse, and if not, that's what I had to deal with. I mean, this is not the Masters. This was just bragging rights, and he turned Mr. Competitive to try to win his thing. And on top of that, to give you an example, <laughs> what he used to do was, he at the he was the first one who took the shots in the foursome. As I mentioned, he took a long time to shoot, much longer than I usually take to, sh- to to make a shot. This is what I do: I line up, I take one practice swing, and then I go ahead and hit my ball. Once in a blue moon, I might take a second or third practice swing, which is very uncommon. But if I do take a practice swing and I'm so way off from coming even close to scraping the ground. I will take another one real quick, and then I'll still hit the ball. Him, it's not taking one swing and hitting the ball. He takes a while. I mean, you know, he he takes a while to line up, get ready, do his thing, check swings, stand over the ball, and and that's all good. I you know that stuff didn't bother me, but what did bother me was he would take all of that time, hit his shot, then right after he hit his shot. He would turn to us, oh, guys, we got to go. We got to go. We got to hurry up. We got to go. We got. And not one of us was even out of the cart to hit the ball. Like, okay. And on top of that, there was nobody behind us. So there really wasn't any real pressing rush. They did a great job of separating us and made sure that everybody could play and play through without having a group wait. As amazing as it was, that's the great thing about this golf course. They actually had 27 holes, so they spread us all out and had us start on different holes. There was no there was no force from behind us. But every shot he would take. All right guys, we gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta hurry this up. We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta... And I'm like, okay, whoa, hold on one second. You just took about five or six check swings, took your time, got all lined up. We didn't even nobody in the force of even got out of the cart for us to put our feet on the ground to walk up to our ball and yet you're rushing us to take a shot, and he, he did this on every hole. Just being, and then he was, like, giving people advice, being overbearing. The point is, be careful about giving advice on the golf course to people, because, first of all, you, a lot of times when you give it advice to people, you don't know who they really are, and a lot of times your advice may be unwarranted where they're not really listening, and they might actually be disliking you a lot more because you keep offering this advice. So be very, very constant about you offering golf advice to people you don't know really well. And on top of that, being overbearing with it and watch your behavior. He did realize that, you know, towards the end of the day that his behavior was not adequate. So at least I'll give him credit on that. And he, he did sound very remorseful about that. He did, he did come around eventually to see the lights and got our point. 
So be a gentleman on the golf course at all times. I did also <laughs> a lot of great things happen on the Ellen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. I did want to go ahead and talk about boxing a little bit and give you guys a lot of great insight on the boxing world as well. This actually was a very busy week in the boxing community. You know, boxing has been kind of stale, I would say, over the last few years, unfortunately. But it's now picking up at certain points. It seemed like when you were about to give up on it, it just surprised you. This week, there was a lot of surprises that happened, both positive, some negative. But overall, very, very entertaining week in the boxing world. First and foremost, I got to give props and a major thank you, a mega thank you to top rank boxing. Got to give it up to top rank boxing. You guys are awesome. <laughs> what top rank boxing has done for us is amazing here on the Ellen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio. And what they did is, wow, uh, what they did this week is they allowed us to be in our now counting third press conference in a row. They allowed the Ellen and Aaron Sports Network Radio Show to go ahead and enjoy it. And we took advantage of being part of the press conference of the big fights that are coming up this Saturday on ESPN Plus Top Rank Boxing. So, Major props to Top Rank Boxing for doing what they do and giving us an opportunity to ask the, all the fighters questions before the fights. You know, I, this time, which was really, really cool, I was able to actually ask Freddie Roach a question. Freddie Roach, for those who don't know, is a trainer of Manny Pacquiao, going to be a Hall of Fame trainer. I've always wanted to ask him questions, and I got my opportunity this week. Thanks to Top Rank Boxing, man. You guys are awesome, man. Thank you for allowing us to be in the press conference. So that that's the, the great thing is, uh, you know, they, I'll give you my predictions of this weekend's fight. I'll definitely do that, let you guys know my thoughts on that. But the news that has happened this week is the Wilder and Fury and Josh, Anthony Joshua. First thing was Fury signed the deal to fight AJ later this year in Dubai. It was going to be a, what, a hundred and almost $150 million guaranteed payout for the purse of this fight in August. And each guy was going to split. So each guy was going to walk away with, wow. I mean, you're talking about after expenses and, and some production costs, about $70 million each. And that's just fantastic. That was, it was phenomenal. They announced that it was going to go down and they both signed. But then the boxing world came down and things changed really fast. You are fake news. Fake news is right. It was news that they did sign a contract. 
It was exciting that they were going to actually finally get this big fight happen towards the end of the summer. But then boxing did what it what it does and said, "Whoa, not so fast." Well, what ended up happening was Deontay Wilder had before COVID and a year prior to COVID, he had signed a clause of a two-fight deal when they fought for the second time. So he was legally, basically had the right to a rematch regardless of what happened in this fight where Deontay Wilder fought Fury. Well, lo and behold, Fury annihilated Wilder and Wilder said, okay, you know, after he gave a, a gazillion excuses, what he did, he gave a bunch of excuses. He basically said, I want to go ahead and execute my rematch clause. It's in the contract that I get a rematch with you. It's really a two-fight deal in the contract. I want to go ahead and take advantage of that. And that may have been the end of the story that he would get that rematch. But no things changed. Fury did not want that fight anymore to do the rematch. He wanted to fight AJ. He felt as if he made it convincing enough that he beat Wilder to the point where there was no reason to fight him again. And he was basically looking for bigger fish to fry. And that would be fighting AJ. So he, Fury, was not interested in fighting Wilder. But Wilder, in my opinion, to a degree of almost being like obsessed adamantly wanted to fight Fury a third time, which I felt at the time, and I still do feel this at this time, that I don't think it's in Wilder's best interest to fight Fury for a third time. And since we're talking about Fury and Wilder, I personally don't think it's in Wilder's best interest to fight Fury a third time. If you do fight him again, and let's say you do a little bit better, you do marginally better, or somewhat better, but he still goes ahead and beats you convincingly, you are going to have a tough time going forward to get other fights. You probably will be able to get a fight where he he is and things like that, but people are going to look at you in such a different light if you lose to Fury a third time. Because a lot of people, including myself, I hate to say this, but I have to tell how I really feel without lying. I did feel as if Wilder got the benefit of a draw in that fight. And why I said it is because I knew prior to them fighting for the first time that Fury was going to give Wilder a handful and be tough to deal with. And the reason why I felt that way is because Fury is actually a very sound, tightly sound boxer. If you're a much better boxer than someone, the chance of you winning a fight are a lot greater. You know, they're just a lot, especially greater. If I'm boxing, I'll box you and I have boxing skill at a 10 and your boxing skills at a 7, barring you throwing a haymaker or barring you throwing a shot that I don't see and can't block, typically the guy who's got the 10 talent is going to win the fight based on the fact that he's a better technical boxer. Fury is a very technical, sound boxer, and I knew that because I watched about five or six or maybe seven of his fights prior to Wilder. So I knew 
coming into the first fight that Wilder was going to have a tough time winning. It was I even said that several times. And lo and behold, he's lucky he being Wilder they ain't going to draw because in my opinion, if he does not knock him down towards the very end of the fight, Fury wins that fight on a decision. And I really didn't have it that close, even with the knockdown. I felt as if Tyson Fury was winning that fight. Clearly was winning the fight. Deontay Wilder hit him with a couple of good shots from one and one and towards the end of the, the fight where he knocked him down. But overall, Tyson Fury to me was dominating the fight and won the fight. But they called it a draw. Second fight, Tyson Fury annihilates Wilder. It's not even close. So I feel as if it's going to be more of the same. I do think Wilder will do a little bit better, but I don't think he's going to do much better because the reason why is because even watching and follow him, his biggest issue is his feet work and smooth, being smooth in a ring. It, I, I see looked at some of the clips. It looks like it's the same pattern. You just can't just throw hard shots from different angles, and that's all of your boxing IQ and your boxing practice. Yes, Wilder's improved technically as a boxer, but he's still a ways away from being a prolific boxer as far as skill and talent. He's worked his way up to about a six, which is incredible because he, he was like at a one and a half, two in my opinion. But overall, he moved up to a six as far as technique and skill. And I feel as if he could get there, but he's not there yet. So Wilder is, is uh, if he doesn't get you in that big shot, if you could watch it out for that big shot, because if he does hit you that big shot, that's the great thing about Wilder is that you're going to pretty much be done. And Wilder, if he doesn't get incorporate some more technical skills, in my opinion, it will be more of the same. So I got Fury winning that fight. That's supposed to be towards the end of July. I got I got Fury winning again a, a, another time. The only way Fury does not win is if he comes in ill prepared, which I don't believe he, it will happen. I think I've seen he seems to be working out. He lose focus and he hang out too much, and he doesn't take things seriously, which I do think he, he is going to take Wilder seriously because he knows how potent those hands are. So I do believe he's going to keep working hard and be prepared for him. And I I think it's going to be another situation where Wilder was a little bit better. He was still better, but still ways away from beating Fury. So I got Fury winning that fight. Other things in, in, in the boxing world, a lot of great things. I mean, this got to be <laughs> the news of the year. This got to be the news of the year. Guess what, folks? <laughs> Finally, in the welterweight division, the 147-pound division with stacked talent to the roof, finally going to be an actual fight in the 147 division. That deserves a round of applause. And the reason why that deserves a round of applause is because 
the talent that is stacked in at 147 is ridiculous, but because of stuff behind the scenes, they don't let us know everything. None of these guys can actually agree on fighting the other guy. It is absolutely atrocious and ridiculous that you have that happening. And we do have a call on the line. Let me take the call right now. Welcome to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing so far tonight, Lou? Did I make it in time? <laughs> you sure did. You're always on time. Good. You, you did right. fantastic. How you been? Yeah. All right. I'm just reading something that just came up on one of my notes here. Uh, Pacquiao is going to end his two-year silence. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Pacquiao. He's going to be. He's going to make his comeback in the ring in August. We hope. That's what it says so far. Yeah. That's right. That's an awesome breaking news that you get. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, that is correct. Pacquiao is going to be fighting in August. It's about time that somebody in that 147 division actually is going to fight. What do you think about – how do you think Pacquiao would do? Uh, He might be facing a little bit of rust. You know, I've been out there for two years. Hey, he's not getting any younger either, you know. I mean, I think uh, Spence might have the upper hand here. I think uh, Pacquiao might be a little bit out of it. I thought really was done with it because I thought it was more concentrating on a political career. But every time he says that, he tries to pull up a comeback. Yeah, I agree with you on this one, Lou. I I, I am worried about Pacquiao in this fight. I, I think mm-hmm. he – I I hope I'm wrong. I really do because I really love Pacquiao. I hope we're all wrong. I hope I'm actually wrong on this one. I, I hope you're wrong too, but – I think he took on one fight one too many, and I agree with you. Yeah. I think him, him beating him beating a very game fighter, Keith Thurman, barely beating him, it was a very close fight, I think was his send-off party right there. You beat an undefeated fighter as potentially being your last fight, I think he should have ended it right there. I agree with you 150%. I agree with you. I, I agree with you a hundred and and fifty percent. That um, I, I agree with you more than you could think of because there's it's going to be tough for Pacquiao to win this fight. You had two years layoff, and you're fighting a guy yeah. that fought not not too long ago. I mean, been about what eight no. months, uh, six seven months. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just don't think, I, I just don't think, um, I, I really don't think, I don't see Pacquiao winning. So I think it's going to be a competitive fight. Yeah. But I just, I, I just think the, the strength and the athleticism of a Errol Spence, who is better than Keith Thurman. I mean, I love Keith Thurman. We actually had Keith Thurman on our show. Props to Keith Thurman. But I just feel as if, um. I, I just think he's just too much. I, I just think Spence is a little too yeah. much to swallow. What do you think? That's going to be a big pill to swallow, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and the fact that you've been inactive for almost two years, and on top of it, you were fighting at 40, 41 years of age, and now you're fighting a guy that, yeah. that um, you know, I, I just don't see, I don't see Pacquiao winning this fight at all. I, I yeah. just don't. He's had a great I, career, I, I, though. You've got to give him that. 
What'd you say? He's had a great career. I mean, I mean, look at his numbers here. He's won uh, champions in eight different divisions. Has uh, an incredible record. So you can't take that away from him. But his time, his time has gone by. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on this one. I, I think he took one fight too many. I think I would have. If he did want to come back in a ring, I'll give him this much. If he did want to come back in a ring, which it sounded like he did want to fight somebody, I felt as if he fought Crawford or somebody else, his chance of winning would be better. You're fighting potentially the best. You're fighting the best guy at 147, period. There's nobody better than Spence right now in the 147 division. Even Crawford. I would say Spence is better than Crawford. Crawford. You're fighting the number one guy. Yeah. And and he's younger than you. He's he's been a little bit more active over the last year, year and a half than you have. I, I just think that um, I I mean I definitely do think Pacquiao's going to do some great things, but I, to win the fight, I I just don't see it. I initially, when I see it, I was like, man, Pacquiao, I just hope you don't get hurt. But I give you credit, you right. a warrior, you don't back down for fights. What do you think about Pacquiao and his career? Oh, you know, it's phenomenal. Like, you know, like he's right up there with, you know, one of the best of all time, probably. No, you're absolutely right. He's up there. Yeah. He's really up there. I mean, win or lose this fight, if he wins. Spence is no slouch, though. No, Spence is not no slouch. I think Spence is the best. At that 147 weight class, Spence is the best fighter. He is the number one fighter mm-hmm. by far. He is. And I was two of the four major belts. Exactly. I, I I think Crawford is very good, but I don't think Crawford is nowhere near as good as Spence because Spence has no. proven he's beaten the best in that division. Whereas Crawford is very good, but it's a lot of speculation. Crawford hasn't actually fought a lot of the guys in that division. Spence has. So if 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 Pacquiao does pull us off, let let's look at the positive. If he does, I, I put Pacquiao in the best the greatest of all time. I, 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 I put him right right, right next to Muhammad Ali if he pulls off this fight. The upside of him winning. Mm. I, do you, I mean, right next to Muhammad Ali if he wins this fight? I don't know. I mean, Muhammad Ali, that's a different, that's a different era altogether. I don't think you can compare the, you know, today's fighters to say like uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, Larry Holmes, Marvin Hagler, I don't. I don't know. It's it's a different. It's a different kind of fighting today, too. I agree. I mean, it, it's hard to compare eras, but if yeah. he pulls off and beat uh, Errol Spence and takes his, it takes the last two guys, which would have been Keith Thurman and Errol Spence, takes their perfect record and wins this fight. I, I say he's he's up there in one of the top of all time. I don't see how I could not put him in that category. You're beating guys that are like number one in your age, 43 years of age. The yeah. upside of that is like, man, you, you're going to be a legendary status. I mean, I think he's a legend anyway, but to beat somebody like Errol Spence? Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to be talking about tomorrow in your show? Well, I might bring this up since it just came to my attention. Uh, we'll concentrate on the NBA playoffs, the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, we'll recap the the uh, Preakness. We'll also take care of 
uh, PGA uh, Championship. Uh, NHL playoffs are going on right now, so we're going to have a lot to discuss. I mean, if you thought May was going to be a quiet month in the sports world, ah, guess again. <laughs> yeah, we're I know, rolling. right? We might be rolling all summer, man. This is going to 2021 is going to be the summer we'd have in 2010 in 2020 because we're going to have a lot to do between now and the between now and the end of the summer. So pulling your seatbelts is going to be a it's going to be a ride. Oh, absolutely! You know, it sounds like you have some great topics that are going to be coming up. That's let for sure. Number, just in case you want to call in. Yeah, let me give them. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, it's called it's one eight hundred. The Orioles suck. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> the Enhanced Sports Show. Well, they do. Enhanced Sports Show number to call is five one two five four three four six six two. I'll repeat that again: five one two five four three four six six two. And my shift is five to seven p.m. So if you call, uh, I'll get I'll get you in. But just don't call like before. I'm just ready to wrap up the show. You know, I like you call. I like you to call ahead. You know, before the show uh, ends. Yeah, so call it. You know, don't call. You know, too close to closing time. It's five. Let's see what's going to at first. Well, my show and my show end before the Predators uh, Hurricanes game were out in first. We don't know yet because they're going into a second overtime. Oh boy, it's gonna be a long night. <laughs> yeah. You better but, bring yeah. some pot coffee on because you might need it tonight, folks. <laughs> that's right. So we got great yeah. news in the hockey hockey world, and so that's the enhanced sports show, five to seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Just in case you missed the number, it's five one two five four three four six six two five one two five four three four six six two. And it doesn't so, cost you a cent. Yeah, definitely. And and also, could they the enhanced sports show? Could they find you on Facebook? Not exactly. And don't look for your blog talk because you won't find me there. Go to Uber. And if you want to listen to some of our past shows, uh, go to where it says past conferences and scroll down to the Enhanced Sports Show. I have shows from the past month that you can uh, listen in if you want to hear it first before you want to take a chance to call in. So uh, you can listen to it and hear me and hear me uh, hear me yap for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you can get a chance to join in, too. It's always better to join yeah. into the station. The live show is five o'clock, but the tape shows you can you can hear whatever you want. Yeah, so that's awesome to get a chance to call in between five and seven Saturday, Eastern Standard Time Zone, or they can listen, like you mentioned, uh, look you up look you up on Uber and find you there. Uber conferences. Remember that it's Uber conferences, not just Uber. Okay. Yep. That's there. You go. Anything else you want to? Share with our fans this 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 Friday evening. Yeah, my Knicks. Go for it. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, I wanted to get your predictions on on the the playoffs, the NBA playoffs. Well, before I do anything, I did not like the comments from McMillan. I think he was being an idiot for that. And you know, they, and uh, the league fined him. Good. I wish we would give him ten years in prison, but they just fined him twenty nine thousand dollars for being a jerk. Yeah, don't oh, be a jerk. Oh, oh, we're going to get a lot of calls against us. The refs want the Knicks in their playoffs. Oh, shut up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just play the game. Play yourself. The, the guys do what they have I'll to do. I'll bring you in one word. Ridiculous. <laughs> exactly. Do what you need to do on the court. There is no conspiracy theory. 
the NBA makes a lot of money regardless of who wins the championship. So, <laughs> yeah. no excuses. And you're right. Don't be a jerk because then it costs you costs you some money. And there you go. I know yeah. it's I know it's like five or ten dollars to these guys. That's those type of numbers, but still. Let this still money. cost you your career, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd rather pay five or ten dollars than it cost me my career too. So uh, it cost you twenty five thousand. So I know twenty five thousand, but these guys, you know, that's fifty bucks to them. Yeah. 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 So but I'd rather you're save yourself by not being an idiot. That's right. You know, hey. Don't be an idiot. That money could have went to a charity or something else that you could have been supporting. Your community, your family. There's a lot better ways to spend twenty five grand. But you gotta be a dumbass and you know. Yeah, exactly. Just uh be a cool guy. No reason to be a jerk. You got a great mm-hmm. opportunity. Hey, anytime you're connected to the NBA, you got a great opportunity. Just uh be grateful that you got that opportunity, operate accordingly yeah. and be cool with everybody. Yeah, yeah, but you blew it. <laughs> but, you know, definitely uh, that's right. And the great thing is <laughs> Tim Tebow got signed too. Big mistake. Big mistake. So you don't think he's going to do even, even as hard as he works, you don't think nah, any chance. Too old, to too old for number one. He's been in the game for so long, and he's 34 years old. I think that's a little bit late to make a comeback at the NFL. Yeah, and in tight and playing tight end, you you you're gonna get hit. It's not like being yeah. a quarterback. You're gonna get hit. What are you short or something? Yeah. yeah, I mean, even Rob Gronkowski. I insured. Yeah, big deal. Rob Gronkowski, I can give him credit, man. Those shots that he takes to get back up. You know, I mean, you're a tight end in the NFL. You're going to get hit, man. You're yeah. going to get hit. You're going to get hit. And you better be willing to take it. Well, I guess he's a glutton for punishment because he knew he wants to get hit. Yeah, I mean, hey, that baseball career, he could have been playing for the Mets. There's a possibility. But he, he quit. He said, you know what? I tried, and he just but pulled the plug. He wouldn't let me. He pulled the plug on it. I mean, he had he, he had an opportunity to play again, at least try out, and he he didn't. Yeah. But that's that's what happens. Tim Tebow things working his way because a few months later he gets signed to an NFL contract to the Jaguars. Yeah. Well, maybe it's something to do with Uncle Steve. Yeah. I think I think I think it was one of those things that what you know is who you know, and him being cool with Urban uh, Meyer. Yeah, that. Out. It's one hand scratching the other, and I think that has more to do to it, to him getting signed than anything. Yeah, but like you said, it's not it's the old it's not what you know, it's who you know. Exactly. It's, it's, it's who and you there's know. any truth to that at all. Yeah, I mean it's it's I don't, the, know. I don't, I don't really believe in that. I mean just just in life I've seen it happen so often where because you know somebody in the right place you get an opportunity where somebody who's more deserving or got better talent because they're not in with the in crowd just simply do not well, get that opportunity. skill count as well. No, I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, I, I think we'll both agree that there's better tight ends or better options that Urban could have chose over a risk like 
Tim Tebow. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to put Tim Tebow down, but there's tight ends in the league that you could have got that are have a track history. You are yeah. rolling the dice with Tim Tebow, and he's never played tight end too. So that is, yeah, and this is your first year in the league as well, being Urban Meyer. So, yeah, yeah I, I hate to say it, Lou, but I, I would have to agree with that that cliche. It's not what you know, it's who you know. I've, I've seen it happen yeah. too many times in life. I've seen it, I've witnessed it, I've seen it happen too many times in life. But we'll, I guess, agree yeah. to disagree oh. on that one. Let's see, here, let's see here. Well, there are losses, and then there are losses, because I'm looking at these scores, and this was a loss you guys, you won't even believe if I told you. What's that? we got probably the biggest blowout of the, se- of the season right now. Uh-oh. What's the score? Well, the Braves just say the Braves gave the Pirates a major case of whoop-ass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Twenty to one. Wow. It, that's amazing. That, it, Whoop ass. It sure is. And Bobby Cox, today's his birthday too. His 80th birthday. <laughs> but yeah, that is that is a beatdown. And somebody swinging on a three and zero pitch. Fourteen to one. Do you agree with that? Repeat uh, that again. Oh, in baseball early this week, there was somebody swing at a pitch that was they were it was three and oh, three balls and no strikes. Yeah, swing it was four and the score was fourteen to one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't agree with that. If 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 you're no. if you're a team, I was even told in little league if it's three and oh, take the next pitch even if it's right down the middle just because. You should. Yeah, you, I haven't taught that in Little League. You take it for a strike anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, let let. I was always told in Little League, don't swing at a three and zero pitch, and do not swing if the, let's say the guy did walk the guy in front of you through four straight balls. Don't swing your bat until he is at least those you right. one. Like, let him kind of beat himself. Don't help him out by swinging at a pitch. Let him throw you a strike, and now you can take the bat off the your shoulder. These are things that literally you yeah. learn. I don't know how what happens when they go to the pros. They forget about that stuff. I guess they just think they're so good. Mm-hmm. But there's an etiquette in baseball. Yeah. But, yeah, Lou, I mean, definitely it's been great having you again on Friday evening. Anything you want to say to your fans or – Listeners? Well, I don't have any fans, I would say, but I think I do have some listeners. Uh, you know, just if you have time, uh, please call in tomorrow because I've always liked to welcome new people into the show. Uh, just don't curse because uh, we frown on that. You always make it a family atmosphere. So, you know, uh, I would prefer maybe people like over the age of 12 to call in, though, I think. Okay, yeah, so definitely <laughs> – no curse on the show. Keep it family oriented. And yep. you know what, Lou? I would definitely would do my best to try to call in tomorrow myself, but I don't want to kind of give a promise. I know I won't be able to keep. And the reason right. being is because tomorrow, which I want to wish my wife 
a happy birthday. It is tomorrow, May 22nd is my wife's birthday. Wow. Me and my wife we're already got plans to go out tomorrow between that time, 5 and 7. So, unfortunately, I won't be able to call in. Otherwise, I would. But I made her promise that I'm going to spend a birthday with her. And it's going to be uninterrupted, no uh, sports talk <laughs> at all during my wife's yeah. birthday. <laughs> but I will definitely try to get you the following week. So I don't want to kind of. I'll be on. I'll be on that week. You. So those the number for to catch Lou on his show tomorrow is 512-543-4662. 512-543-4662. That is 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Do not miss him. He's a great sports fanatic. Thanks. Oh, you're very welcome. You have a, a great, great weekend. Always a pleasure to have you, Lou. Thank you, Alan. You're welcome. You have a great night. Take care. That's, that is the my uh, legend right there, Lou. That guy is awesome, man. So definitely support his show. And, you know, so definitely he's a, he's a great guy. So call in tomorrow between 5 and 7. As I mentioned, I definitely wanted to wish my lovely wife, Dean Alford, a big time, huge, to the roof, screaming top, happy birthday. Her birthday is tomorrow, May 22nd. My lovely wife is, is celebrating birthday. So, guys, uh, <laughs> I was spending some quiet time with my wife. You know, with us having the kids, we already have a babysitter in place. I will be indisposed. So definitely, unfortunately, I won't be able to call in. But you got to make sure you call in, guys, and call in and support Lou's show tomorrow. And I will be kind of tied up with my wife's birthday. Oh, I did want to finish a couple things on boxing. I did want to say, yes. That fight is, is announced that it's great that they are actually fighting at 147. Those guys usually <laughs> do a lot of talking. I want to fight this guy. I want to fight that guy. No one actually does sign a fight. That Pacquiao-Spence fight is happening in, in August. I do, have, uh, I do have Spence winning that fight. And speaking of that, I did promise the top ranks as they let us into the press conference. I did want to give my predictions for tomorrow's fight on ESPN plus it's a big lineup too. It's a, it's a lot of big fights, but it is in the 140 division. So, uh, <laughs> we get, you know, I want to give you guys those predictions and I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the fights and things that happened in press conference and, and get you up to speed on that. Let me pull up the schedule here and let you let you uh, get a chance to talk about that a little bit too. If you wish to call in and talk about the upgraded, updated uh, the fights because uh, it's going to be very very entertaining. So the fight card that's coming up, and let me just go ahead and and update this here. Here we go. Okay, so we have. Yes. Okay, so the fight card. Let me just uh, pull this up, guys. Sorry about the delay. In the meantime, I did want to mention to you, too, another thing that I did want to 
mentioned as far as the fights is uh, in the Wilder and Fury fight, when that does come up late July, I definitely do have Tyson Fury winning that fight. I know a lot of people, uh, even Al, Al Heyman, a few people did say they wanted uh, they wanted Wilder to win, they're big-time Wilder fans, and I really love Wilder too, but I just think Fury is just a technically sound boxer, and I think he's going to win that fight. So I got Fury winning that fight late July. I got I got Spence winning in August. And so we have Kenneth Sims fighting Elvis Rodriguez. That is uh, one of the fights that will be happening tomorrow. I have Elvis, who's going to be playing his guitar at the end of the night. That's what he does. His name is Elvis Rodriguez. He wins a fight. He plays the guitar like Elvis. <laughs> that is his mantra. And I asked him that specific question. I asked him that specific question. He being Elvis, at the end of the night, are you going to be playing your guitar? And he said yes. So Elvis, I believe he's going to win. I did even ask Freddie Roach, how do you keep a guy who's a diamond in rough, who's up on the rise, how do you keep him from not getting too far ahead of himself? He mentioned that Elvis stays hungry. He stays humble. He works really hard. He spars really hard. He puts the work in. So all his success is a testament to the work he's been putting in, and he's staying the course by making sure he doesn't get too he- too far ahead of himself by putting in the work, not short- taking shortcuts. So I got Elvis Rodriguez winning that fight against Ken- Kenneth Sims. Kenneth Sims, it's, it's no disrespect to him. He's a very good fighter. This is going to be a tough matchup for both guys. Competitively wise, they're both very good. But I just feel as if Elvis is a little bit more polished. He does have the Hall of Fame trainer, he being Elvis with Freddie Roach. I feel as if Elvis is a special boxer, and I just find that he's going to win this fight, whether it be knockout or decision. I just feel as if he's the better technical boxer, and that makes a difference when you're talking to fight game. Then we have hammering Hank Lundy against Joe Cepeda. This one is actually a very tough fight to pick. This was actually the one that I really kind of struggled with this whole week. Let me explain to you why. Hammering Hank Lundy is a tough fighter. He'll take on just about anybody. And he, he was very, very confident in the press conference that I was a part of. He was extremely confident that he was going to beat Jose Cepeda, and he said it quite a few times that he's going to win, but Jose Cepeda is no no easy out. He's a tough kid. He, he's uh, very, very strong, and he is a southpaw, and the reason why that's important is because Hank did, you know, as much as I, I really appreciate Hank, he did lose, this was some years ago, though, to a very game Terrence Crawford. Watching that fight, when Terrence was fighting an unorthodox style, he was doing more of that style of boxing, Hank did have success. But as soon as kind of like Terrence figured him out and did started fighting Southpaw, that's when things started to change in the fight and when that's when Terrence started to have a lot of success in the fight. If he doesn't go Southpaw, he being Terrence, he stays orthodox style. Actually, Hank wins that fight. But 
I, it did show to me that when Hank tried to fight Southpaw, it just didn't work as well. As much as I really, really love myself some Hank Lundy, I really respect him. He's a great entertaining guy, great conversationalist, awesome guy. I have to say I think Jose Cepeda is going to win this fight. I just think that at the end of the day, Jose Cepeda is going to pull it out. He's a strong kid. He is a strong southpaw that is going to make a difference in this fight. So I got Jose Cepeda winning against Hank Lundy. Again, a very tough fight for me to predict. And we have the final fight, Jose Ramirez versus Josh Taylor. This is a big fight because both of these guys are going to set history. Jose Ramirez, if he wins, he becomes the the middleweight, I'm sorry, the uh, 140-pound weight division undisputed champion and of Mexican descent, which is a very, very important thing to him. Somebody who's from Mexico, he's a very strong, proud, uh, proud fighter from Mexico, Jose Ramirez. And he really, really, truly wants to win this fight. He's got even Canelo support. I even see Canelo give a big shout-out on Instagram and wish him the best. And he's fighting against Josh Taylor, who if he wins, he becomes the undisputed first champ in the U.K. So a lot of things riding on this fight. And my prediction of this fight is I do believe U.K. Josh Taylor is going to win the fight. I do believe Josh Taylor. It's very difficult for me to pick a guy who's not from Mexico to win a fight, in which I'm doing now. I'm picking Josh Taylor to win. The reason why I'm picking Josh Taylor mainly because of anything is because Josh Taylor is a very good fighter, but also Josh Taylor does have height on his side. He is, he is significantly taller than Jose Ramirez, and that is going to make a difference. With his skill set, his height, I feel as if he's going to use those things to his advantage. He does that quite often in fights. I think it's going to be tough for, for Jose to really get in on Josh. And I, I got Josh Taylor winning this fight. I got Josh Taylor winning this fight. So I have the recap. I have Elvis Rodriguez winning his fight. I have Jose Cepeda winning his fight. And I have Josh Taylor winning their fights. That is tomorrow, 8 o'clock start time. You can watch that on ESPN Plus. Definitely, again, want to thank Top Rank Boxing for letting us into the press conference. I want to thank all the boxers. I interviewed all. I was able to be in a press conference with all six of those fighters. And it's, it's tough for me to pick someone who I think is really cool when they answer my questions. But it's nothing personal. It's just who I feel with my experience, who's going to win the fight. So there you have it. And uh, definitely, in case you haven't heard, Aaron is feeling ill. want to say my prayers to him. He got his second COVID shot. It's now day three. Now the end of day three, I should say. And he is feeling ill. That's why he couldn't join us today. So many prayers and speedy recovery to Aaron with his uh, sickness now from that COVID shot. So definitely I uh, hope the best for my co-partner, Aaron. Thank you to Lou for calling in, being the MVP. Always great to have Lou on the show. Don't forget to call the show tomorrow, see 5 at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. 
And I gave you the number. I'll give it again, 512-543-4662. And it's 512-543-4662, the Enhanced Sports Show. And for definitely top rank and all my fans on the Island and Aaron Sports Tech Radio Show, we tremendously appreciate you guys. Definitely thank you for your support. We're going to have some great things happening this summer, some other great events. I'll let you know that a little bit more next time. But on the Allen and Aaron Sports Circuit Radio Show, really thank all of you guys for listening. We really appreciate you. I hope you all have a great weekend and a blessed week. We'll be back again Friday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Zone. Like and subscribe to our show on Facebook, Twitter, Follow us on iHeartRadio. That's where you can find us, the Allen and Aaron Sports and Radio Show. My name is Allen. Thank you again for listening. I hope you all have a fantastic night and weekend. May God bless you all. Thank you so much, and take care of yourself. Thank you for listening to the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check out us on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.